The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Hoare, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, June 19, 2022, on the basis of Luke 7, verses 11 through 17. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. When you see the long black sedan, the flashing hazard lights, the trail of vehicles following in its wake, you know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to pull over, step off to the side, and let the procession pass. Because you know where this polished black hearse is going. It's on its way to deposit a body in its final resting place in the grave. Now, at any intersection, you're supposed to yield the right of way to the hearse. The living give way to the dead. I suppose it's a small gesture of respect, a way of saying to that long line of cars full of family and friends, I'm sorry for your loss. But maybe we keep our distance for another reason, out of fear. Death was here, but thank God it wasn't here for me or for my loved ones. Now the truth is, is that even though we may step aside, even though we might pull over to the side of the road, this procession is one that we are destined to join someday. As riders and as drivers, yes, but more sadly, this hearse will be your hearse. This coffin will be your coffin. This grave will be your grave. Death comes for us all. It's often called the great equalizer. It comes for every single one of us, whether you are the poor beggar at the end of the street or Bill Gates, whether you are the baby struggling in the ICU or the world championship bodybuilder. Death doesn't care. You can hide from it. You can try to delay it. You can try to ignore it. But in the end, it will come for you and for me. We will join the black parade of death. The train of death keeps on rolling and we can do nothing to stop it. And because death is inevitable, we might get the idea that it is somehow unstoppable. Death becomes more than just the end of this life. It becomes something that defines our entire lives, a cloud, a sword that hangs over us in this life until the very end. We allow it to influence our choices. We allow it to make our decisions. We allow it to affect our lives in more ways than we can even imagine. Right? We say things like, life is short. We need to get everything we can out of this life. We admit that life is precious. We try to grab onto it with two hands because life is all that we have. But even when we do those things, death keeps on marching on. But today in our gospel, we hear a story from Luke who tells us of a time when death came to a screeching halt, when death was forced to give back its victim at the command of Jesus, a dead man came back to life. And this story has profound implications for you and for me. Jesus' word has power over death, and he gives that same death-stopping power to you and to me, not just in heaven someday, but right here and right now, today here on earth. Jesus has changed everything. Our lives are not a march towards the grave. Instead, it becomes a procession of life. The funeral procession that Luke describes for us today would have been very, very different from our American funeral processions. Instead of a coffin, the dead man would have been placed on a bier, on a plank of wood. 
to be carried outside of the city for burial. As they passed through the town, they, the air would have been full of the sounds of weeping and of music. Music, the solemn funeral dirge played by musicians on the cymbals and on the flutes. Weeping provided by professional weepers who were hired just for funerals. But Luke doesn't focus on all the commotion, on all the crowds, on all the extra noise. Instead, he directs our attention to the very center of this procession, to a woman, the mother of this dead man. This is not her first tragedy. She is a widow, she's lost her husband, and now she has lost her only son. She's lost everything. Without a son, without a husband, she has no one to take care of her, no one to provide for her, no one to protect her. She is all alone. You can imagine the sympathetic looks of the people of the town as this procession passes through. They had known this family, they had seen this tragedy befall them, they had watched this woman lose everything. But what could they do? What could they say? What can you possibly say to a mother as she buries her child? What can any of us say in the aftermath of death? Death leaves us at a loss because death is shocking. Death is jarring. Death shakes us to our very core. It is an invasion of life. Death comes and it takes away someone we love and it promises it will take away you. Death is a terrible thing, isn't it? A body once full of life and emotion becomes a cold and empty shell. A voice we once recognized and loved, a laugh we once knew, a hand we once held, instead just becomes a fading memory. And because death threatens and promises to take away everything from us, we allow death to define our lives. We become terrified and scared of death. We try to do everything in our power to delay it, to prevent it. We put protective bubbles around ourselves, around our loved ones, around our spouse, around our children, around our parents, out of fear that death will take them. This fear of death drives our every action, our every choice, as we try to make our lives a little bit longer. The late American TV and radio host Larry King talks about his first brush with death in his autobiography. At the age of nine, he was on his way home from the library when he saw three squad cars parked in front of his apartment building. As he walked inside, he could hear his mother screaming and wailing. His father had died of a heart attack while he was gone. This single act of death changed the rest of his life. It shaped his fear of death. From then on, anytime he saw a squad car in the neighborhood, he ran home to make sure his mother hadn't died. And this fear extended far beyond just his childhood. When you listen to his interviews, you hear that he talks constantly about the topic of death. He was a man scared to death of death. He became obsessed with planning his own funeral, thinking about his own death. He became an avid reader of the obituaries. Indeed, he was a man scared to death of dying. Or maybe for us, it's not so much that we try to hide from death, but it's the other side of the coin. We try to make death all about ourselves. It becomes an excuse to live life for ourselves, to fill our lives with good things. Maybe this is more of the temptation in our American society. Listen to the 
voices around us, people telling us to live our best lives, to live a full life, to live a good life. You can hear the slogans already. Live a life of no regrets. You only live once. Seize the day. Death becomes just an excuse to fill our lives with more and more good things, to make life all about ourselves. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But at the end of the but at the end of the day, both of these strategies, hiding from death and trying to fill life with so much life that we forget about death, ultimately end up in the same place. And they are both ultimately the same strategy. They are the attitudes and strategies of people who have already been defeated by death, who have already realized that they are going to die. So who cares? Live it up or try to protect what I have as long as I can. In the end, death still wins. Death still comes from our, for us all. Whatever strategy we adopt, we still begin that march to the grave. We walk among the dead. But in this particular funeral procession that Luke tells us about, as they were going out of the city gates, Jesus and his disciples were on their way in. As Jesus looked at the scene, as he saw the widow and the dead young man, his heart went out to them. He became filled with compassion. And instead of yielding the right of way to this funeral procession, he stopped it. He said to the widow, don't cry. He placed his hand on the bier on that plank of wood, and then he spoke to the dead man. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And as easily as a father wakes a sleeping child, the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. In amazement, the people shouted, God has come to help his people. And that is really a fitting statement for this story, isn't it? Jesus comes and he helps this widow. Her son is alive now, given back to her, to love her, to serve her, to take care of her, to be loved by her. And it's a great story because it shows us Jesus' heart, his compassion, his love for his people. But even more than that, it shows us his power over death. Jesus speaks and death is forced to retreat. Jesus stops a parade of death. He commands a dead man to rise and he comes back to life. And Jesus gives you and I that same word of life, that same power over death. Because we desperately need that word of life. As people, we go through this life as dead men walking, as people who are destined to die because we are covered and sin. We carry the effects of sin and death, shame and guilt, regret, tears, sadness, pain, and suffering. We march towards death because that is our deserved destination. And yet, right here in this place, the procession of death is stopped by a procession of life. Right here in this place, death is stopped. Here, as people who are destined to die, we gather together to hear a word of life, the voice of our Savior Jesus, who tells us to be alive, to come to him. Here in this place, we hear the life-giving words of Jesus, who comforts us, who confronts the death within us, the sadness, the suffering, the tears, the sadness and pain and regret that we all carry. Here, Jesus comes to help his people. He comes to save us from death. But what does that mean? For that young man, 
who was brought back to life, it was only a temporary resurrection. Some days later, he would eventually die again. And the same is true for you and me. Someday we will all face our end. We will all still face death. But death is no longer the terrible parade that threatens to separate us from our loved ones forever, that threatens to separate us from our God forever. No, death has been defeated. Death has been reformed, reshaped into something else. It becomes our gate to heaven. Death may take us, but the worst it can do is bring us to our Savior. The worst it can do is take you to your Savior's side, to be with Jesus in paradise. And Jesus promises that death is not the end. He promises that he will raise us again on the last day to give us back to our loved ones. Death is just a slumber for which we sleep for a time, for a season, before he raises us up again for the grand reunion where death can never touch us again when God promises to take all the death and suffering from this life. And because death is not the end, we realize that it is only the beginning. The beginning of the grand story that God has written for you. This life is only the first page. Every chapter is better than the one before. A story that will never end. The only place where happily ever after can truly mean happily ever after. But until that day that this earth ends and heaven begins, God has given you and I back to our loved ones. He's given us to our friends, to our mothers, to our fathers, to our children, to serve them, to live lives not for ourselves, but for our Savior. This life that we live in the body today and right now is not for ourselves, not out of filling ourselves with good things, not out of avoiding and trying to hang on as long as possible, but the life we live in the body is lived out of love for the Son of God who gave up everything to save you, to make you his own. Brothers and sisters, in a world full of death, in a world full of the fear of death, we have life. We walk among the living, not the dead. We march not towards death, but towards everlasting life. Amen.